Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Cost of living. Soaring inflation puts the screws to everyday Americans. Everything from a gallon of gas to a loaf of bread costs more, and it's worrisome. But after months of downplaying rising prices... This is going to pop up a little bit and then go back down. What is the Biden administration doing now to help? I'll speak to top White House economic advisor Brian Dees. And a chilling message. Former President Trump ally Steve Bannon indicted for criminal contempt of Congress. A clear message to others refusing to cooperate with the January 6th probe. Whom are they trying to protect? Donald Trump led us into a ditch on January 6th. Exclusive interviews with Republican congressmen Fred Upton and Anthony Gonzalez in moments. Plus, trial and error? A high-profile murder case puts race in the criminal justice system on display. Play. After a tumultuous several years, is Justice Blind? Former chair of the Congressional Black Caucus, Karen Bass, joins me to discuss ahead. Hello, I'm Dick Tapper in Washington, where the State of Our Union is watching economic anxiety grow. President Biden will celebrate a victory tomorrow, signing the new bipartisan infrastructure bill into law. But as the president heralds this accomplishment, one that a significant majority of the American people support, he has also been running into a new economic reality, inflation, as prices in the U.S. surge more than they have in 30 years, according to new data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And as the holidays approach, Americans are seeing higher prices on everything from gas to groceries. This week, the president changed his message on the issue, acknowledging for the first time inflation is, quote, worrisome and, quote, one of the most pressing economic concerns of the American people, A response, perhaps, to the political reality, a brand new poll from The Washington Post, ABC News, shows Biden's approval rating sinking to 41 percent, a new low, largely because of a negative shift among Democrats and independents, as 70 percent of the American people, according to this poll, rate the economy negatively, 70 percent. 63 percent of the American people think Biden has not accomplished much so far. Joining us now to discuss top economic advisor to President Biden, Brian Dees. Brian, thanks for joining us. So let's start on this dire inflation report. Take a look at how much prices have risen over the last year. Regular gas prices up more than 50 percent. Utility gas, 28 percent. Used cars, beef, pork, eggs, all up. This new Washington Post poll shows 70 percent of those polled view the economy negatively. 38 percent say the economy is in poor condition. How concerned are you and the president about inflation and what specifically are you doing to fix it? Well, inflation is high right now, and it is affecting consumers in their pocketbook and also in their outlook for the economy. But those concerns underscore why it's so important that we move forward on the Build Back Better legislation, this legislation that the House is going to consider this week. This, more than anything, will go at the costs that Americans face. You talk about health care, one of the biggest costs that American families face. This will lower prescription drug prices, put a cap on prescription drug costs for our seniors. Childcare, 
not only a big cost driver for families, but a big impediment for, for more parents and women to get back into the workforce. This bill will cut the cost of childcare by more than half for most working families. And housing too, a big cost driver for families. This bill will build affordable homes all around the country to make it easier for families to afford housing and also to move to places where the job opportunities are. All of these things go right at lowering costs for American families, and this bill is fully paid for. It's not going to add to inflationary pressures, quite the opposite, because we're going to pay for everything in this bill by raising taxes on big companies, large corporations, and the highest income Americans. So there's an urgency to act. Uh, the House is going to consider this bill this week, and we're looking forward to making progress in getting this done. Right, but nothing you just mentioned, uh, assuming that everything you're saying is accurate and comes to, comes to pass the way you want, nothing you mentioned would bring down grocery prices, would bring down gas prices. For instance, let's just take, take gas prices for a second. Is President Biden willing to open the Strategic Petroleum Reserve? Is he w willing uh, to stop gas and oil exports uh, so as to uh, alleviate the, the gas price issue uh, at the pump? Well, we are very committed to do everything that we can to make sure that American consumers don't bear the brunt of high gas prices and volatile energy prices. And uh, the president has made clear that all options are on the table. We're monitoring the situation very carefully. One of the things that we're really focused on right now is making sure that American consumers don't actually get taken advantage of. One of the things that we've seen in oil and gas markets is because of consolidation, we have fewer large companies actually controlling the market. And so at moments like this, there's a real concern of price gouging or market manipulation uh, that could put consumers uh, more well, uh, could, could actually harm consumers. So we've asked the Federal Trade Commission to take a very close look at that right now in the current market conditions. And we're also engaging internationally with our counterparts to make sure that other oil producing nations are not taking advantage of the strength of the recovery mm -hmm. and actually profiting at the American consumer's expense. So all those issues are on the table, uh, including Strategic Petroleum Reserve. We're monitoring that closely and uh, we'll continue to do so. So, Brian, you saw the, the bad poll numbers for the president when it comes to the economy. Uh, I don't know how much of a factor this was, but President Biden finally publicly acknowledged inflation is worrisome this week. I want to play some sound of what you and President Biden were saying a few months ago in June. By the way, talk of inflation, the overwhelming consensus is going to pop up a little bit and then go back down. No one's talking about this great, great, you know. To the degree that people are focused on inflationary pressures in the short term, that really is, is, uh, is, uh, is not the issue. Do you think that you and the president were wrong and inflation is not a short term pop up a little bit and then go back down issue? No, I don't think so, Jake. I think what we have said consistently is that the pandemic and the economy uh, are interlinked. Uh, and certainly we saw, just as the Delta variant uh, posed real health challenges to the economy, uh, it also had economic impacts. Uh, more people were consuming goods at home, watching TV rather than buying a new television, rather than going out uh, to the movies and spending on services. And so that's added to some of the supply chain challenges that we face. But we're seeing these price increases as inflation globally because of the supply chain challenges associated with uh, COVID. That's why we're going right at attacking those issues right now as well. In the very immediate term, we're working with ports around the country to get goods moving more quickly through the economy. And this infrastructure bill, the bipartisan bill that the president will sign tomorrow, 
is the most significant step that we will have taken in decades to mm -hmm. actually invest in the arteries that help move goods uh, more quickly through our economy, more, more cheaply through our economy, and was designed to that we can move out quickly on some areas like our ports to try to start providing some relief. So uh, we are have been focused on this issue. Uh, we are continue to be focused on this issue in the short term, but yeah. also addressing these medium term issues as well. So, but you're, you talk about the Build Back Better Act, which is $1.75 trillion as a solution to this problem, but your predecessor under President Obama, Larry Summers, he pointed this week to the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan that was passed earlier this year uh, in March. He, he said that's a major reason behind the rising inflation, something he called at the time, quote, the least responsible macroeconomic policy we've had in the last 40 years. Is it possible that Americans are suffering now from high prices because the Biden administration overstimulated the economy with all of this money going into the economy? Well, no, that's not our perspective. The American Rescue Plan saved us from an acute economic emergency. It's hard to remember, but you know, recall that when the president took office, there were 18 million people collecting unemployment benefits and 3,000 Americans a day dying. Uh, but uh, uh, Professor Summers uh, agrees on the Build Back Better plan that it will not increase inflation and actually making investments in things like lowering the cost of childcare or providing universal preschool will actually improve the productive capacity of our economy. So mm -hmm. I think we actually know what we need to do here. We need to make a fully paid for investment that will actually unlock more opportunity, get more people working uh, in the economy, and that's where our focus is. If you are standing by uh, your statement and the president's statement that inflation is transitory, short-lived, when do you think inflation is gonna go back below the 2% level considered normal? Well, look, there's lots of independent experts that make predictions. Most believe that inflation will moderate next year. But I really think that consistent with the, what you were talking about before, most Americans are less interested in predictions and they're more interested in actions and seeing concrete action to try to uh, address, these, uh, address these issues. That's what our focus is. And the poll that you uh, put forward uh, showed that the a significant majority of Americans support the components of the Build Back Better agenda because it is oriented toward delivering on the practical cost issues that they mm. face in their lives. Is Housing, healthcare, childcare, transportation. These are things that typical Americans are dealing with. Right. And these are solutions that we can provide. And action is gonna speak louder than words. We recognize that. That's what the American people are looking for. And right. that's why we are focused on moving this bill through Congress and getting this infrastructure bill implemented without delay. So is Build Back Better, is that act gonna pass the House this week? Well, we are confident that it will. Uh, we are confident that Speaker Pelosi is going to bring it up and that it will pass this week. We'll move forward in the next process and moving it to the Senate. Is the SALT tax deduction, state and local tax deduction, is that going to be in the Build Back Better Act? Uh, some experts say it could actually result in the wealthiest Americans in these states getting a tax break. Well, there's a fix to that issue that is included in the House bill. You know, this was an issue that the Trump tax cut, the 2017 tax cut, created huge uncertainty in our tax system by capping that deduction for state and local taxes for a couple of years and then letting the cap go away completely. Uh, what the fix in the House bill would do would be provide a long-term uh, higher cap on that issue. And so that's in the bill, and we expect that that will be part of the bill that will be put on the floor uh, and be considered by the House this week. All right, Brian Deese, thanks so much for joining us today. Appreciate it.
Two of my next guests have something terrible in common. They're both Republicans, and they've both received death threats over votes they've cast in Congress that Trump didn't like. I'll talk to Republican Congressman Fred Upton and Republican Congressman Anthony Gonzalez ahead. Stay with us. And welcome back to State of the Union. I'm Jake Tapper. Extraordinary new charges this week in the House investigation into the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. A federal grand jury Friday indicted ally to former President Trump, Steve Bannon, on two charges of criminal contempt of Congress for refusing to appear before the Congressional Committee and for refusing to provide them with documents. That indictment, the committee members hope, sends a clear message to other Trump allies who are avoiding testifying, including former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, who on Friday ignored a subpoena this week. Uh, Joining us now, one of a handful of Republican congressmen who supported holding Steve Bannon in criminal contempt of Congress, Republican Fred Upton of Michigan, and and, and, uh, Congressman, we're going to get to to Bannon in a sec. But first, you just heard Brian Deese defending the White House's response to inflation and predicting a successful vote on the Build Back Better Act in the House this week. What do you think? Well, I'm not at all convinced that the Build Back Better plan is actually going to pass or even be considered this week. I don't think the votes are there yet. A good number of Democrats have demanded and, and are going to receive a CBO report as to whether is it really paid for. What does it do when you expand Medicare? What does that do to the solvency? And, you know, Joe Manchin asked the question about inflation. What is this going to do to inflation? Uh, I can remember talking with Larry Summers a few months ago. He was very worried about the spending uh, by the Congress and what it in fact was going to do to inflation. So I don't, somehow I don't think we're going to get these answers to necessarily get the, for Pelosi to get the votes uh, before the end of the week. And we also know that this bill is going to be widely different from what the Senate ultimately may do. Not a lot of days uh, in the legislative calendar yet. We've got the continuing resolution, uh, which, which without an extension would shut down the government December 3rd, not too far away. And of course we have the debt ceiling extension that expires uh, on December 3rd as well. So there are a lot of hurdles uh, before this thing, before I'll say this turkey really starts to move. All right. A nice Thanksgiving metaphor. Appreciate it. On the the Bannon indictment, uh, other Trump allies, such as former Chief of Staff Meadows, are also stonewalling the committee. Would you be willing to vote to, to hold Meadows in criminal contempt of Congress? Well, we'll see what the select committee does. Uh, they have to make, they have to decide, they have to move it forward. You know, one of the reasons that I voted to, uh, to hold uh, Steve Bannon in contempt was he didn't cooperate at all. And in fact, at the time, uh, one of the arguments was that even Mark Meadows uh, was having his lawyers uh, communicate with the committee. It seemed like there was going to be some progress that was going to be made. Uh, but, you know, the former President Trump said early on he did everything totally appropriate. Those were his words. So, we got to let the sun shine in, be fully transparent, and that means get to the truth, find out exactly what happened. And if you stonewall Congress, and I'm a former committee chair, I used the subpoena, uh, even the threat of subpoena was able to get people to come testify, to tell, give us the facts, so we could go after fraud and abuse. If you refuse to participate in that, all of a sudden you don't really have an equal branch of government trying to get to the answers of this. So. Uh, for me, I want to see what the select committee will do, see what the recommendation is, and then take it from there. So, Congressman, you voted for the bipartisan $1.2 trillion infrastructure plan that, um, that President Biden's going to sign tomorrow, along with 12 other House Republicans, 19 other Senate Republicans. Trump campaigned on infrastructure in 2016. He promised it would be, quote, very bipartisan. Of course, that never happened. 
Now he's leading the charge against Republicans like you who voted for the bill. Things are so toxic, you're getting phone calls like this one. You dumb mother traitor, piece of piece of trash. Hope you die. Hope your family dies. Hope everybody in your staff dies. You piece of traitor. Now, to be clear, these are threats coming from conservatives, from Republicans. You're getting these death threats because you voted to fund roads and bridges and broadband. To what do you attribute all this? Is, is, is it Donald Trump attacking you? Is it Marjorie Taylor Greene calling you a traitor and posting your, your phone number? What has happened to the Republican Party? You know, it's a sad day. It really is. Uh, we all know that we have a polarized uh, uh, electorate uh, out there, uh, divided government. Uh, this bill that I voted for, that President Biden is going to sign tomorrow, in, it passed 69 to 30 in the Senate uh, way back in August. It was a blueprint. I'm a, I'm a member of the Problem Solvers Caucus, a bipartisan group. Uh, Larry Hogan, Republican governor of Maryland, uh, hosted, I don't know, 25, 30 of us uh, back in April, governors, senators, House members. We defined what infrastructure was, what it should be. And actually, Larry Summers uh, was a participant. Uh, and we all confessed that we should pay for it and pay for it without raising taxes. And that's what we did with this bill, which was why it received overwhelming support in the Senate. Uh, Lindsey Graham, President Trump's favorite uh, top Republican in the Senate, uh, supported this bill uh, when it passed 69 to 30. Uh, we need roads and highways, let me tell you. Uh, this was a bipartisan plan. It, it needed to happen, and I'm, I'm glad that we got it past the finish line. And we actually took it away. Remember, for a little while, it seemed like it was going to be joined with a Build Back Better plan, and we cut the cord so that, in fact, they were separate votes. So this all is uh, happening in an era of, of menace and threats and violence. I want you to take a listen to an interview uh, former President Trump did with ABC News' Jonathan Carl in March, in which Trump appeared to justify or at least not care about the threats to the life of Mike Pence on January 6th. Take a listen. You heard those chants. That was terrible. I mean, was, you know, the... He could have. Well, the people were very angry. They're saying hang Mike because Pence. Because it's... It's common sense, John, it's common sense that you're supposed to protect. How can you, if you know a vote is fraudulent, right? How can you pass on a fraudulent vote to Congress? Just to remind our viewers, this is the crowd and the chant that John Carl was asking about. How worried are you? that January 6th was not the, the climax or the end of this new era of violence and menace in our politics, but in fact, perhaps just the beginning. Well, I tell you, obviously I was there on January 6th. I saw the gallows that were constructed on the east front of the Capitol. I was not, thank goodness, I was not in the chamber uh, when, it was, uh, when they tried to breach it uh, on that fateful day. Uh, but I saw the crowd. I saw the crowd move down. Uh, uh, the mall uh, towards uh, the White House uh, to hear the president's speech, and, and I saw them come back. Uh, I talked to the SWAT team members uh, afterwards, uh, picked up some of the broken glass from the Capitol, obviously saw the footage uh, that was there live as I was holed up in my office, uh, feeling protected. Uh, but it was, a, it was a really scary day. Uh, that, that violence, I mean, you look at the calls to all of us uh, that voted for the bipartisan bill, 
this last week. The death threats that are, that are there, uh, a couple of arrests, I think, have been made already on, with some of my colleagues. Uh, we passed along the information that's been uh, uh, sent to my office with the, with the phone calls and presume we'll get some letters and some other stuff here as well. But yeah, it, it's, it's a tough time and it's, it's uh, so unsettling. Uh, you know, this is not what our democracy is about, uh, these physical threats, not only to ourselves, but also to our family members, uh, as well as to our staff. It is a sad day in America when this type of stuff, I've got a better four-letter word for it, but I'll save you, um, when, it, when it happens. We're not actually mandated by the FCC. You can curse on our air if you want, because we're cable. But but I know, but con- I know, because you're on cable. I was, I was chairman of the subcommittee, so I know all so, about so, it. So, but Congressman, you just heard John Carl asking Donald Trump about the chance of hang Mike Pence, and Donald Trump's response was, "Well, the people were yeah, very upset, and he real. started to go into the." Ele- but what is your reaction to Donald Trump seeming to but explain and too, justify it all? Well, you remember the call that you all reported uh, with Kevin McCarthy when allegedly the, the president, when Kevin called the president to tell these folks to back off. And the response from Mr. Trump was, I guess they care more about the election than you do, Kevin. And what's That's your reaction what was to that? reported what, but, after January 6th. Yeah, but what's your reaction it's, to that? It's, it's, it's not right. It's not appropriate. And it's certainly not totally totally appropriate, as the president said in his own words, in terms of his actions that he took that day. Quickly, before you go, sir, are, are, uh, are you committed to running for another term in 2022? Well, you know, we don't know what our districts look like yet. Uh, we're in the midst of uh, looking at maps. Michigan loses a seat. Uh, we'll evaluate everything uh, probably before the end of the year in, in terms of making our own decision. We've never made a decision uh, more than a year out. Congressman Fred Upton, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate it. You bet. Your holiday gifts and those sweatpants you ordered might be stuck off the port of Los Angeles or Long Beach. Is there any way to speed up those shipments? The woman who wants to be Los Angeles mayor, Congresswoman Karen Bass, is next. Plus, an exclusive interview with another congressman who voted to impeach Trump and now is ending his congressional career. His chilling warning about Donald Trump coming up. Drivers in California are now paying more than anyone else in the United States to fill up their tanks. The average price of gas in the Golden State hit $4.67 a gallon this weekend, breaking the state record for the highest recorded gas price ever, according to AAA. Joining us now, Democratic Congresswoman Karen Bass of California. She's running to be the next mayor of Los Angeles. Congresswoman, always good to see you. So these record-setting gas prices in California come as the Biden administration has not halted oil and gas exports, has not tapped into the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, has not gotten results from OPEC. Do you want the Biden administration to do more to get these prices down? Well, we certainly need to do something. I mean, as you mentioned, the medium price is $4, and in many places it's 5 I know that the oil industry said that one of the reasons for the increase in price was because they had to slow down production because they had to do some maintenance. So whatever, we have got to reduce the price of gas in California. Is there a specific step you want them to take, opening the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, anything in particular? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, that is certainly one thing that could be done, but I'm kind of more concerned about the 
oil producers being able to get back online. So they said that it was high because of maintenance. That should be ending soon. So hopefully we'll see some reduction and the administration won't have to intervene. On the supply chain issue, bottlenecks are continuing to plague Los Angeles, thus hitting all of us. You're running for Los Angeles mayor. Right now, 83 container ships are backed up in the water off the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach. A full month after the Biden administration vowed to operate the ports 24-7, if you were mayor right now, what would you ask Joe Biden to do differently to fix this? Well, I'm not sure that he could do anything more than the uh, 24-7 right now, but we obviously have to deal with the longer-term issues, too. We have a workforce issue. We have a lack of truck drivers. Uh, Secretary Buttigieg and Governor Newsom just a few weeks ago signed agreements to speed up infrastructure projects in the port. So a lot needs to be done, but I'm not sure if anything else could be done right now. You know, they're also charging the uh, folks if they leave the containers offshore too long. So aside from those things, I'm not really sure they could do anything right now today. Speaking of infrastructure, uh, President Biden will sign the infrastructure bill into law tomorrow, you push to include a provision that would allow the U.S. government to hire people from the immediate area to work on infrastructure projects in their neighborhoods. Are you disappointed that this bill took so long to pass into law? And what might that mean for communities like yours in Los Angeles? Well, local hire is a provision that is really important that we actually had into law and the Trump administration removed it. So getting it back in is a big deal. It seems strange that you could not Uh, give preferential treatment to people that live in the area where the construction projects are going through. It's very important in my specific district. We have a major um, line going through. And so to be able to prioritize the hiring of people in a neighborhood is key because it's also a neighborhood where unemployment is high. You're the former chair of the Congressional Black Caucus. So I was wondering what you thought about this trial of the three white men uh, accused of murdering Ahmad Arbery in Georgia. And during the trial this week, a defense attorney made this remark in the courtroom. Take a listen. Yeah. If we're going to start a precedent starting yesterday, we're going to bring high-profile members of the African-American community into the courtroom to sit with the family during the trial in the presence of the jury. I believe that's intimidating, and it's an attempt to pressure, could be consciously or unconsciously, an attempt to, to pressure or influence the jury. We don't want any more black pastors coming in here. We don't want any more black pastors coming in here. Now, the attorney has since apologized for those comments. But what was your reaction when you heard that in a courtroom in the United States in 2021? Uh, Well, I mean, I think it's despicable. But, you know, when they they were selecting the jury, remember, they selected pretty much an all white jury. And then the judge acknowledged that that was a problem and allowed the jury to be seated anyway. So I think that particular trial is off to a bad start, just like the trial of Rittenhouse is off to a bad start as well. Uh, A year ago, we were talking about racial reckoning, and it seemed to be an enlightened period. And now we've had major setbacks. And I think that people understand that you can use race politically. It charges people up. It's a highly emotional issue. And uh, I think it's just really sad. That trial, the Aubrey trial, is a trial of a lynching. That is exactly what happened in that case. And look at Rittenhauser. You know, both of those trials were based in race. And I'm very concerned about the outcome for both of them. Kyle Rittenhouse is a white man who's accused of shooting and uh, uh, three other white men and, and killing two right. of them. 
Uh, explain how you think there's a racial dimension to this well, case. Well, be, be, because remember now, where were those white men that were killed? They were at a protest, protesting in solidarity for black folks. So to me, it was reminiscent of the civil rights movement when you had young white people that participated in the sit-ins and the protests, and they were subject to beatings, they were subjects to shootings. Many of them were killed as well. And it's as though the judge is taking that very lightly. Remember the judge in Rittenhouse case said you couldn't even refer to the people that were killed as victims. You could refer to them as rioters. Here you have a 17-year-old boy who was driven by his mother across state lines with an automatic weapon. Frankly, she should have been detained for child endangerment to go to a protest where he says he's going to help the police. I mean, it was ridiculous. He walks across with his automatic weapon and the police just look at him. And the majority of the people that were protesting were African-American, but the white men that were killed were protesting in solidarity with the black people. So it reminded me of the civil rights movement. Just a yes or no on this, because we're out of time. Is the Build Back Better Act going to pass the House this week? Yes. Congresswoman Karen Bass, thank you so much for your time. I <laughs> appreciate it. I've never actually gotten only a one-word answer when I asked for one. I really pre- <laughs> I appreciate it. Coming up, an extraordinary warning about former President Trump from a sitting Republican congressman. An exclusive interview you will not want to miss next. Welcome back to State of the Union. I'm Jake Tapper. Two of the 10 House Republicans who voted to impeach Donald Trump in January have decided that their careers in Congress are over, including my next guest, Republican Congressman Anthony Gonzalez of Ohio, who revealed to me in his first and only national television interview what led him to break from his party against the big lie that the election was stolen, what he is worried Trump is trying to do now ahead of 2024. He came very close to overturning an election through various methods. How worried are you that next time he'll be better positioned and he'll undermine democracy? It looks to me, and I think any objective observer would come to this conclusion, that he has evaluated what went wrong on January 6th. Why is it that he wasn't able to steal the election? Who stood in his way? Every single American institution, it's just run by people. And you need the right people to make the right decision in the most difficult times. He's going systematically through the country and trying to remove those people and install people who are going to do exactly what he wants him to do, who believe the big lie, who will go along with anything he says. Um, And again, I think it's all pushing towards one of two outcomes. He either wins legitimately, which he may do, um, or if he he loses again, he'll just try to steal it. But he'll try to steal it with his people in those positions. And, And that's then the most difficult challenge for our country. You ask yourself the question, do the institutions hold again? Do they hold with a different set of people in place? I hope so, but you can't guarantee it. What do you remember about January 6th? I was sitting in the balcony when the session was was called to order, um, and I saw the first objection. At that point, I throw on my Twitter, and I could see that people were breaking the line. So I peeked out the window, saw more people breaking, uh, and I said, I'm just going to go back to my office. This doesn't look like a like a good thing. So um, ultimately barricaded ourselves in, put some street clothes on in case I had to run for it. And uh, luckily I didn't. Um, nobody came in. But, uh, but it, was, it was pretty harrowing. I mean, there were tough calls with my wife. There were tough calls with, uh, with my family. At the time, you don't know how it's going to end. 
uh, thank God that you know it, there weren't more people killed. Um, but at the time, you don't know that. At the time, you know that there's an angry, violent mob who believes the election was stolen in the United States of America, and you're seeing even members of Congress saying this is our 1776 moment. If that's what people are saying, well, of course you're going to have violence, and of course you're going to have a riot at the Capitol. There are people who voted to certify the election who did not vote to impeach. Um, was that the most difficult vote of your life, or was the certification one more tough? The impeachment was the hardest vote, for sure. In order to get me to vote for an impeachment, any impeachment, um, I have to believe that there was a grave assault on the country uh, committed by the sitting president, whoever it is. Um, and so it was deeply sad to, to come to the conclusion that I did um, and to, to feel like I could no longer trust the president of the United States, even for a few days, to be the commander in chief of our military. I felt like, like I had no choice uh, in the matter. I had to do what I felt was right to protect the country. And then you not only put your political career in jeopardy by doing that, you got death threats. Yeah, <laughs> you know, this will sound weird, um, and I don't mean it to, uh, it'll sound flippant, but um, I always expected death threats in this job, so that wasn't a surprise. Unfortunately, it happened maybe sooner than I would like, and it, and it happened in this way, um, but that wasn't what made me decide not to run again, it really wasn't. Um, as terrible as those death threats are, right? Um, for me, it was more a, a lifestyle decision for my family and kind of what kind of family life we want going forward. But look, you know, to state the obvious, though I expected death threats at some point in this job, um, there is no legitimate place for political violence anywhere in this country. Uh, and the fact that we've seen it, and I would argue normalized it over the last two years, um, sets our country back significantly. It's one of the biggest things I'm worried about. There are hopefully Republican voters and maybe even some Republican leaders watching you right now. What is your message to them? Two things. One, keep the faith. This country's been through a lot. We fought through it and, and we've, we've persevered. Um, the country, as much as I despise almost every policy of the Biden administration, and we could talk about that for you know six hours, um, the country can survive a round of bad policy. The country can't survive torching the Constitution. We have to hold fast to the Constitution. That needs to be the bedrock upon which we build our party and our movement. Uh, we have to be a party of ideas. We have to be a party of truth. And if the cold hard truth is Donald Trump led, led us into a ditch on January 6th. The former president lied to us. He lied to every one of us. And in doing so, he cost us the House, the Senate, and the White House. I see fundamentally a, a person who shouldn't be able to hold office again because of what he did around January 6th. But I also see somebody who's an enormous political loser. And I don't know why anybody who wants to win elections going forward would follow that. I simply, like, I don't get it ethically. I certainly don't get it politically. Neither of them make sense. If he's the nominee again in 24, I will do everything I personally can to make sure he doesn't win. Now, I'm not voting for Democrats, but whether that's find a viable third party or whether that's try to defeat him in primaries, whatever it is, um, 
that's going to be where I'll spend my time. Because you're worried about what he'll do to democracy? Yeah, I don't trust him. January 6th was the line that can't be crossed. January 6th was an unconstitutional attempt led by the President of the United States to overturn an, an American election and reinstall himself in power illegitimately. That's fallen nation territory, that's third world country territory. My family left Cuba to avoid that fate. I will not let it happen here. Can I stop him? I have no idea. But I believe as a citizen of this country who loves this country and respects the Constitution, that's my responsibility. You just heard from Congressman Gonzalez. Former Governor Chris Christie is also warning the Republican Party. Trying to relitigate the 2020 election could cost them in 2024. So would Christie refuse to back Trump if Trump runs? Our interview next. Former Governor Chris Christie gave an early endorsement to Donald Trump in 2016, four years and one insurrection later. Have Christie's feelings changed? My co-anchor and friend Dana Bash sat down with Christie for a new special, and they talked about his own White House ambitions and his take on Trump. Donald Trump has made it pretty clear he wants to run for president again. Would you support him? Oh, look, I don't know that he's going to run. I don't what know if he does? I'm going to run. Well, look, what if? I, I, I've learned... I mean, it's not as if it's a big secret that he's seriously considering it. He's seriously considering it. Let's see what happens when he does. And let's see who he is and what he says and how he conducts himself. After everything you've described that he's done, and, you and, still... And Dana, what I'm saying... No, look, what I'm saying to you is that I'm not going to sit here in 2021 and prejudge all this. I voted for him in 16 and in 20. On election night in 20, I said that what he was doing was absolutely horrible and wrong and continued to be. You can draw whatever conclusions from that you want. But in the end, in 2021, the idea of making predictions for 2024 is folly. And by the way... With all due respect, that sounds like a cop-out. I know. I'm sure you think it's a cop-out. But you know what? I also know that there's no reason to create tumult in a party that already has a lot of tumult in it. And you can see more of Dana's interview with Chris Christie on his COVID battle, his own plans for 2024 on Monday night, Being Chris Christie, a special with Dana Bash airs at 10 p.m. Eastern on Monday. Now, only a few hours left in our annual Homes for Our Troops Veterans Day auction. If you're a fan of books, you can buy books autographed by your favorite authors, even have your name appear as a character in one of these authors' next novels. If you're a sports fan, you could Zoom with Ahmad Rashad or go to a Mets or Phillies game with Bob Costas or bid on swag from one of your favorite teams. You can Zoom with Bob Saget or Jason Sudeikis or Jerry Seinfeld. Gwyneth Paltrow will name an item from her new clothing line after you. All proceeds from this auction go to build specially designed homes for severely wounded veterans of Iraq and Afghanistan and their families. You can see all the items at ebay.com slash H-F-O-T, Homes for Our Troops. The auction ends today. Check it out. Fareed Zakaria, GPS, is next. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. 
Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.